Hey, podcast people, you just made my day. Hey, how you doing, folks? Welcome to Made My Day, the podcast that celebrates the little, tiny, wonderful things in life. This is episode 37, brought to you the week of March 2nd, 2016. I am your host. My name is James Kennison, and uh, I'm glad to be here today. In case you don't know, if this is your first time with us, Made My Day is a show uh, where we celebrate, like I said, the little, tiny, wonderful things in life, but but from a certain perspective, and that is um, from a guy who deals with with uh, bipolar, depression, anxiety. And though I'm in a very good place now, thanks to some wonderful medication, um, every day is still, um, you know, uh, somewhat of a challenge. And uh, it's always a good thing to look for those those things that make each day worthwhile, especially if you've ever been in a very, 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 very dark place. And I hope this will be fun for you. And I hope it will be uh, maybe even inspirational and help you to find your own MMDs, as we call them, uh, throughout the week. So we're going to do that. We're going to start with uh, where we were last week because I I did the uh, I usually do the shows on the weekend. I think I did it on Thursday last week. So um, we'll pick it up on Friday. We're going to go through every single day. It's going to be fun. Ah, <laughs> uh, Friday. It was a warm weekend. A very warm weekend here in St. Louis. Um, today it's 25, you know, that was what I woke up to. And I know, I know, I know there's someone out there that lives in, you know, negative 800 and you're just dying to get on the Facebook and tell me about it. That's fine. I I know it's colder. And then the Canadians are going, you don't even know your coldest is where ours starts. And I know that too. But for me in my house, 25 is cold. So, uh, but the weekend was, you know, 70, it was insane. I, I, I swear we're in the middle of four different weather systems or something here in the middle of the continent. Like we are, cause, uh, it can just go, it can go so, so crazy. Um, but it meant that the kids got to go outside and play in our minuscule postage stamp sized backyard. And that was exciting for them because they had gotten a couple of toys that, couldn't be used in the house. These were um, like uh, surgical tubings. Well, let me say what they were first. They were bow and arrow sets, but they were like Nerf arrows, and it uses like surgical tubing to to pull back, and and so it's more like a like a like a slingshot more than anything. But it's shaped like a bow and arrow. Um, so they go out there and they do this and they're out there not two minutes and they're done. They're done with the things. I'm like, what you ADHD kids? What the heck? And it's because the goofballs, the dumbbells um, shot. They decided to try to shoot something in a tree, a, 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 a nest of all things, a nest that today walking in, I heard something cheeping in there. So there's babies in there. I'm going to have to tell them, um, you know, do not ever do that again, but so they're aiming straight up in the air and they got one, they got, they have four places that arrows could land actually five. Let me say five. They have their backyard. They have the neighbor's yard to the left. 
They have the neighbor's yard to the right. They have the roof of the garage to the south, and they have the roof of our house to the north. And they had exactly four arrows, and they put one in exactly all four places. So every possible place. To their credit, the wind blew the one off the garage, so they got that back. The uh, the, the the hipsters that live on, on our left there, they threw theirs back. They saw it and threw it back over. Um, and the lady, who we haven't yet met, but my kids have met, um, whose apparently name is Kat, she threw... You know, there's over. The only one that's left is the one that's on the top of the roof. And we live in St. Louis in the city, and it's a two-story house. It's a very thin, you know, uh, very tall. There's no way to get up there at all. Not for me. Not with no ladder. So that joker's up there for life. But what made my w- w- day was a warm weekend, not having to put on a jacket and then a, and then a coat and, and, you know, waiting until my 13-year-old Honda Element warmed up, you know. So I'm very excited about that. But not so not so thrilled that my kids only got five minutes of enjoyment out of the stuff I bought them for Christmas. Now, Saturday, I, I drew a comic or two. Um, and if you don't know, I do a couple of web comics now. One of them is called Full of Wind. And um, I think I'm on like 47 of those I've done 47 almost 50 of those and they're telling a story of a young man and a young woman um and uh just trying to it's it's basically an alien and a human (laughs) sounds so weird now but uh she gets abducted and she falls in love with this youngin who happens to be a different you know species in her uh and they run they're running away and coming to Earth to try to, you know, establish a, a family and stuff. And so the, in the big picture, the story is about it's about love, it's about family, it's about connection. But uh, it's three panels. It's pretty fun. And you can check it out at fullofwind.com or look it up on Taptastic. Taptastic is a new thing for me. It's, it's an entire website community thing set up just for webcomic people. And it's it's amazing. It's like the YouTube... Of web comics, there's a there's an app you can download, which I have done, and every day when you hit that button, you're gonna read th- five hand selected but random um, selections f- from from new web comic artists. Some of it's crap. Um, like for me personally, I don't like stuff about elves and people with really sli- slitty eyes, you know, who are always uh, in much turmoil. I like cute stuff. Um, and junk like that. So I've found a few that I really like, uh, but maybe you'll enjoy it too. But while you're on there, look up full of wind. The other one that I'm doing exclusively on Taptastic is called shut it up me, which is a reference to a wonderful, uh, cartoon from, uh, Homestar runner. But, uh, the, it's a little, little different. Whereas main, uh, full of wind tells a story. Shut it up. Me is more of a, you know, every comic is its own kind of thing, kind of like what uh, Farside did. You know, it's just a panel, maybe a couple panels, and then a comment or something like that. So I think I've got four of those up, and uh, I think two of them are open because it kind of releases them on a schedule. 
So uh, check that out on Taptastic, T-A-P-T-A-S-T-I-C, I believe. And um, I'm actually going to be starting a third webcomic, which is ridiculous. Um, and I know I must be going through some sort of a little bit of a manic phase because of this. Um, and so I, I worry that I'm doing too much. But I will tell you this. I don't remember what day this week it was. But I told my wife, I was like, I I'm, I'm feel like I'm going up through a little bit of a manic phase. She says, really, how can you tell? I says, because I want to start a nickel arcade down on Cherokee Street. <laughs> and I really did. I really, really did. And I still kind of do. If you don't know what a nickel arcade is, the the business model is you get all these old crappy, you know, arcade machines and stuff, throw them in a, in a space. Um, you charge three to five bucks to come in. And then after that, everything's a nickel. And uh, you can have the claw machines. Um, I, I The one I went to actually had different colored balls, like playground balls, and you, and it would... You could pick them up, and each color was a uh, a different point value for tickets later on, and that was really neat. But um, I was really excited because I'm like, yeah, all the hipsters are down there on Cherokee Street. They're they're going to their bars, you know, their craft beers and their things and their that's, and they would love to come in and and you know maybe do some uh, some old school arcading. But you know, I I think hipsters are a totally different group. I mean, I know they are, but. Their young lives are are back when the first Hulk came out, the Hulk movie, the one that just came out like six years ago. <laughs> That's their childhood. It's not Mario and the NES. It's it's PS2, you know, maybe PS3, more than likely. So uh, yeah, these guys are young. So. Uh, so I talked it over with my wife, and she patiently listened to my business plan <laughs> and how ridiculous it was because of all the money and the upfront cost that it would be. And I had a good time doing some basic research and looking things up, but I knew, I knew not to do anything. So whatever day that was, that's an MMD for dang sure, because I didn't start a business, a small business on a whim, but... Um, I did start another webcomic. It's not even started yet. I've begun sketching out some of them, but what I've decided to do is do one that's not funny. It is a tell a telling, a retelling of my depression journey from beginning to end and and giving de- but giving depression a a face. So he's a character. In, in the comic. And it was really unique trying to draw him and design him because I didn't want him. I, I, when I draw, a lot of times my characters are kind of cute. You know, they have big heads, little bodies, you know, uh, cute little noses and eyes and all this kind of stuff. And so when I'm drawing him, he, he's turning out cute. And I'm like, you know, depression is a freaking demon, <laughs> like a monster in your in your guts, you know. Um, I don't want him to be liked by anybody, but, um, when I, when it all was said and done, I I changed him very little, uh, because at first, and you know, and I, I, I perceive that the character will transform slowly, uh, uh, you know, as a story progresses the way it kind of did in real life. Um, but when it first came on, it did seem just a little less than harmless. 
when the very first few moments when the feeling of just doom, general doom started to come, I hardly even noticed it at first. And um, so I've drawn in, in my sketchbook about two or three, four, but I know this is going to be a project that I stick with because the ideas and the, 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 not even the jokes, just the, just the format is, is flowing out of me, the stories, the, the memories. And I think it's going to be therapeutic for me, but I really seriously believe that, um, that a lot of, if, 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 if magic happens and people notice it, of course, but I, I think, um, I think a lot of people could read something like that once it's, you know, pretty well established and say, you know, gosh, I feel the same way. So I'm not absolutely crazy. I mean, I am, but he's, he's still alive and he, he experienced the same thing I did. Maybe I, okay. You know, that was like one of the best things for me in the whole thing is, is when my doctor and some research I did told me that I was basically textbook for all of the things that were wrong with me, meaning there was nothing unique. I was absolutely on par with exactly what they said in the dictionary, even about what, when, when uh, depression hits, when it peaks and then that it, that it kind of goes away. And at that point I hadn't, hadn't experienced that fading away part. I was at the peak of it, the worst part, but it was so good to hear that because if the first part proved true and it had, then possibly the last part would be true. And, um, and I'm sure it is, but I don't know because I'm on medication <laughs> and it is taking it away. And I, I'm not going to test it and see if it's a little bit better than it was. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, so yeah, that, that project, I don't know what it's going to be called. I really don't. I've just been drawing, and uh, but I'll give you an update. I'll give you a tip um, when I get there. Maybe it's something you'd be interested in. All right, so the warm weekend, we got through that. I drew the comics. Um, Sunday, that was Saturday. Sunday, um, I ended up having to clean most of the day. I had, um, I had agreed with my friend and pastor, uh, David, on Tuesday that um, we would have the people over, all, all the people in our church, um, at least the adults, over to my house on Sunday night to watch a movie that I highly suggest you watch. It is called um, <laughs> uh, Short Term 12. Short Term 12. It's on Netflix. It is sweary as all get out. But it is so good, especially if you've ever worked with at-risk teens um, if you've been abused in your childhood, if you are a broken person like I am, um, it will mini- it will literally minister to you. I don't even know how, but but the but anyway, we watched it at my house because the and we did a discussion afterwards because the premise that we wanted to talk about and the thing that's in the movie is that your brokenness, even the unhealed stuff, you the stuff you feel like okay, God, you know, freak. Let's let's get this going. Let's let's get this healing started, which is kind of where I'm at. But even 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 with that brokenness can help someone else in their brokenness. Kind of like my ward's mother would say. She said one time. She says, "I, I may have shared this, but it's still worth repeating." 
She says, James, I, I know this sounds weird, but I wish you'd gotten sick sooner so that you would have moved, you know, gotten better or moved here sooner. So you'd gotten better here sooner, basically saying she wished that we'd been here um, a long time ago to help her out. But it is true. Um, I don't remember the verse, but the verse that we used was talking about allowing God to comfort you so that you in turn can use that same love, that same comfort on someone else. And um, I would love that. I would love for what I've been through to be of some use. I'm still not real happy about it. I'm still not real thrilled that it happened. We're still kind of reeling still from, from all of the crap that fell apart and the things that we learned, um, the, 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 the thin veiled, you know, images and things that we stood on and thought were of God that just turned out to be man-made. Um, but yeah, I would love for all that to have some sort of purpose. And if one day I can look back and say, you know what? I am glad I went through it because it has helped this person, this person, and this person. Cause depression is definitely one of those things in my humble opinion that you have, you're going to have a hard time helping somebody with unless you've been through it. And I say that even goes for doctors. I mean, if there was two doctors, one that had never dealt with it and, and it had, uh, had just gone to school. And then I, I knew another one that had been through it themselves and, and were, you know, I'm picking the guy with the experience points, you know what I'm saying? So anyway, it, I, I'm going to back up now. The, the, the movie again was called short term six. It's a great thing. We watched it. And the reason why Sunday or yeah, Sunday was a MMD is because I got to have my people, my church over to the house for the first time. And uh, it it did mean that since I forgot about Tuesday and how he told me that we were going to do this thing and we were going to have it at my house. And then Saturday I'm starting to hear, um, okay, so we're coming over and I'm like, what? And then I remembered and then panic and then (laughs) let's clean the house. Oh gosh. You know? So I, I did all that. But they came over and they love the house. And and one of the ladies in particular, she's she's like, dang, she's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn white so I can have me a house like this. I said, no, that's got nothing to do with it. All you got to do is do what I did. Just marry um, an accountant, and you're set. That's that's all. Because <laughs> if I hadn't married Jen, um, I have no doubt in my mind I'd be living in a trailer right now. <laughs> Probably like my father was alone. And just in constant misery. So, but um, it, it it was a good day. The the event turned out great. It was clean. My house was clean. My wife, even when she came home, said, "Oh yeah, it looks good." And um, that's probably the first time in a long time that that I've had to do that. I mean, I did in Florida when we were trying to sell a house, but but this one has hardwood floors, and I had to wipe down all of them. <sighs> it's terrible. So, uh, but that was a highlight though, still having people over, people enjoying the house. Um, we bought the house partly because of the way it was laid out in the back half of our house where, where people would usually see a kitchen and then a separate dining room and then a 
maybe a family room off somewhere. This is all combined in my house. So the kitchen, the, the center island, the dining room, some couches for the for the family room, all in all in one big open space. And uh, a lot of people I would imagine wouldn't like that, but we did because we knew we'd have people over. We want and food's usually involved. So there's places to sit, there's places to stand, there's places to be, and and I got to experience that because we had nachos, we had you know all kinds of food that David brought over, and um and and it was so cool, it was so cool because you buy a house like that with that hope in mind, but then you feel like crap most of your life, so you don't want to have people over, you don't want to deal with the stress. It's easier to go to other people's houses, but then this kind of snuck up on me. <laughs> But it turned out to be a good thing. So, Sunday. It's having people over. Monday, um, I I had a very, very busy Monday. One of the busiest days I've had since all the crap went down in, in uh, 2013. Um, I went to my ward's school. I don't know if I talked about it last time. Probably did. But my ward, my young ward, who is 13... A young black man, young young man who is black. How about that? Because I don't want to give him the credit of being called a man yet. Um, he's he's just having problems with his teacher. His teacher mocks him openly, and I think he kind of does it to everybody. You know, just an old school dude. You know, just saying stuff. I'm going to give him that benefit of the doubt anyway. But with with my ward, it 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 hurts. He doesn't get it. It's not making sense. And he has Asperger's. And one of the issues that kids deal with, uh, with his condition or situation, is they don't understand irony. I mean, not irony, uh, uh, sarcasm. They are very concrete thinkers, and they do not easily process things the way everybody else does. I mean, that's why it's a, a highly functional form of autism. So uh, we had to go down there, and we had to, and we confirmed some things. And to his credit, his old self um, admitted to some of the jokes, um, that especially the ones that stung the worst. And he says, "You know, I'm sorry. I've I d- I've done this for 35 years, and you know, I, I'm just not used to this." And I won't go through all the details of our conversation. I will say, my friend David was there. The uh, my ward's mother was there and I was there and I hats off to her for keeping her uh, temper in check because she was hot man and rightfully so, rightfully so. You're paying for this school, you know. You you want it's supposed to be a Christian school, and it and it was things like he would go in and say, "Can I have some extra work for this subject?" Because we're trying to pull him out of the F zone here in his in his grades, and the guy would just go. Psh. Another time, um, he he borrows a pencil from his friend, a male friend who sits in front of him, and the, and the teacher says, uh, "I remember when I was in school, and I used to borrow pencils from my girlfriend." So, I bet gay and straight alike would both uh, agree that joking like that is not; it, it is nothing but hurtful and harmful. So at least he owned up to them and uh, has agreed to stop doing that. Um, I was able to ask some questions because I, th- I had some thoughts. I had some thoughts. And usually I'm pretty pretty on 
task or right on with him. And I said, tell me about your, well, first I asked him about these don't, why are you not grading the papers? They say on the, on the online A's, F's, you know, C's, whatever. But then some of them, a lot of them, the, a lot of the homework we're doing when we hand it in, it says, uh, no, not graded. And I asked him about that. Is, is that something you do when kids aren't behaving? Do you, do you do that when they're, ha- when they hand it in late? What is the reason for that? Because I want to make sure we never get in that zone. And he never gave me a real straight answer. It seemed that everything I did say, though, he confirmed that sometimes it is behavior. Sometimes it is when it's, when it showed up, when it shows up late. Um, but he's, but he's got this one method in, in, um, in math, I think it is, or history or yeah, it's, it's, it's math. He gives them a worksheet and they go and they do it on their own. They hand it in. He, he marks off the ones that are wrong, sends them back and they're supposed to keep fixing it until they get a hundred percent. But he has never told them that a hundred percent is possible. Some of the kids have figured it out. But my dude, my ward, has not. And I know him. His personality is to probably bring it up the first time. And then after he's been beat down, he maybe gets the guts to go up a second time. But when he figures out he's getting the same ones wrong over and over, why am I going to subject myself to this insult and this hurt and this paper that's calling me stupid over and over and over? And so the paper is never graded because... He ends up keeping it with him. I'm sorry, but that ain't right. That is not a good classroom. Second thing I was thinking about with this guy was probably that, that cause, cause he was bringing uh, my wards bring a lot of homework home, like a ton of homework at times. And I asked the guy, I says, I, how, what's, is there homework or is there, is there work that you give them in class that is meant to do there that if they don't do, it gets brought home? And he, he laughs and he says, oh, yeah. He says, there's some kids never have homework because they get it all done in class. And I said, well, what is the, you know, what do you, what is your thing about talking? Because I really got the impression that that class has absolutely no rules when it comes to talking. And he, and he pretty much confirmed that. He said, I think school should be a social experience. And I, I really wanted to get mad then because I'm thinking back over every single teacher I've had. And even the most lenient, I want you to like me kind of teacher did not allow us ever to just sit there and talk. I mean, maybe, maybe middle school, high school before the bell rang, you know, that kind of thing. Homeroom, pretty cool. But any other subject, shut up. Got stuff to tell you, teach you, and you got work to do. So I'm kind of blown away, kind of blown away by that idea that they're allowed to talk. And I said, so is there any point in the class, though, that that everybody's quiet, that they have a quiet party? He says, oh, well, I do expect them to do business first. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm 13 years old. I'm in eighth grade. I got work to do. Or I got a cute girl sitting right across the row. Who am I going to, what am I going to do? Any 13-year-old without any kind of whatever, whatever, unless they're just magic kid, and there are those kind of kids, they're going to do what's fun before they do what's business. But he did confirm the that there are two times that there is quiet in the classroom. 
He has two combined grades in this school. It's a small school. He says they're quiet while I'm speaking and teaching the seventh graders. And then I switch over and I talk to the eighth graders and they're all quiet during that. So really there is not one moment in the entire day in the classroom where there is no talking. There's no time to concentrate. There's no time that anybody is, you know, with any kind of, um, I mean, my ward is easily distracted, loves to goof off, loves to be silly, loves to be the center of attention. We did confirm, though, at this meeting that his grades are improving a little bit, his behavior is improving, and that the confrontations that they apparently have been having have gone down. I I later found out that those confrontations usually revolved around jokes that the teacher would make. My theory is that this teacher at one point was great, probably about 15, 20 years ago. And now he's just rolling through. He's just, he reads the assignment and he, and he's old school enough to believe that all the kids will just get it if they care enough. And if they don't, they won't. And he's put my ward in that category. I hope things will improve for the last grading period that's coming up. But I don't know. I don't know. Between you and me, I'm working with his mom on getting him in my kid's school. And uh, so we're working on that. So that was that was the first thing on Monday. <laughs> Monday's going to take a little while. So we went to the school. We met with the teacher. And then later on in the day, I called David and said, hey, what are you doing? Nothing much. Let's let's go eat. We we went to Jimmy John's. I don't know if they have those in your area. It's a sandwich shop. It's not the best sandwich I ever had. Wasn't the worst. I got a roast beef thing with some mayonnaise on it and some lettuce. It was decent. I didn't finish it. It's a little thick. I mean, it was like a quarter pound of of uh, of of this stuff. But um, you know, he talked to me. I talked to him, and a lot of a lot of his. Uh, things revolve around, you know, some buildings and issues that we're dealing with, whether we want to start a community center or not, this, that, and the other. But then, but then he did a great thing and uh, something I didn't expect. And I didn't even see it coming because he built up to it for a little bit. And he just finally just says, well, how, I don't know what, how are you doing? And, um, and it was really nice to be able to tell somebody. It really was. Jen, my wife's been working a lot, a whole lot. It's it's absolutely unavoidable, and it's not forever. It's just a season that we're going through right now. But it does mean that when she gets home, I don't want to dump a bunch of crap on her. You know, the normal crap, nothing about her, but just, oh, today was frustrating because da-da-da-da. You know, I, I'm not going to do that to her because she's going to turn that around and say, oh, it's frustrating because I'm not there as much, and I'm not, you know. No, 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 no. So it was very nice to for somebody on the outside to, to say that, and – and I was able to tell him, and I, I said, you know, I'm doing better than I've ever done. The medication's great. You know, it's doing good stuff. I, I still have anxiety attacks here and there. Still get sad. Um, but typically, it seems to be attached to something that's really happening in life, and that's normal. So that's good. Um, I said, but when it's all said and done, when I'm not talking, when I'm not drawing when I'm not doing anything and it's just me all by myself. Um, I still am at my core 
fairly sad. And I didn't share this with him, but maybe I did. But it's a fear I had early on, right right as things were starting to get better. Because I, I was broken because of the depression. And I'd, and I'd gotten so used to that being my problem that as it started to slip away, I realized, you know what, I'm going to have to start becoming um, responsible for my own actions now. I can't blame everything on, on that. I can't. Uh, and, and I got very, very afraid when faced with the um, reality that I wasn't that great of a person, in my opinion, before the stuff hit me. And so if as I'm coming back out of it, it's like it's not like you're automatically going to be awesome. Like, yeah, you're perfect now. And um, so that's one of the issues, you know, that I deal with is that right now I'm trying to figure out where's my place in this world. You know, I'm a, I'm a stay-at-home dad. Um, I take care of my kids. I work hard. I used to say I wasn't a stay-at-home dad because I, I didn't earn it. I'm earning it. I clean up. I do everything in this house except for laundry. <laughs> I still got my, my wife's taught my kids, my daughter, how to do that. So praise the Lord for that. But, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm you know, I, I got that going. I, I do these podcasts, you know, I do the comic stuff. I sketch all the time because, because I'm like, I can't, I want to, I want to be something. And I have nothing to be. I used to be a children's pastor. I was that for years and years and years. Now that's gone. And I don't want to do that anymore. And I can't do that anymore. And it's gone. So what am I? I'm, I'm nothing. What do you do? You're, you're a children's pastor. You communicate. You create experiences. You, you love on kids. You uh, connect with families and parents. And you... Um, you, you find curriculum and music and you deal with uh, dozens and dozens of volunteers and events and all these kinds of things that children's pastors do that, that are the real ones, you know, the ones that, that do it. Um, and then all that's gone. How does any of that transfer over to anything else? You know, other than something like what's going on in, uh, in short term 12, so I told David, basically, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm doing. I, I do the podcasting and the in the drawing because it's the closest thing to anything that brings in any money. So it's the closest thing to a job that I have. And bless those of you that contribute, especially with MMD. It's a smaller show, and and you guys are awesome. And I've got several folks that have chipped in and said, you know, I'm going to contribute a certain mo- amount each month. And the the art I just do because I've been farting around with drawing most of my life and I haven't gotten any better at it. And so I really want to use this time and, and you know, improve myself. But is it going to turn into anything that's like a job? No, 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 it's not. So, you know, I'm here right now to help out with the church as much as I can, help David out. And um, I'm, I'm helping my ward. <laughs> and I'm loving my kids and my wife and just holding things down. So Monday I got asked, how are you doing? And I got to say, 
And I talked about God a little bit too. And um, I, I, I realized that I am, I am not in a good place, God-wise. Um, at least not in a traditional sense. You know, I, I'm, I'm still following his ways. I'm still seeking his will. But am I in a loving relationship with him right now where we're just all huggy, hunky-dory? No. And I realize that makes me a terrible Christian. I really do. But to be quite honest, I don't care. I don't care right now. Do not care about being a good Christian. I want to be one that follows Christ. But I do not care if I am very much like him right now. I, I know how that sounds. <laughs> but it is the absolute truth. And like I talked about earlier, seasons, there are seasons. And I think for this season, seasons end. See, that's the thing about seasons. So understand when I say seasons. For this season... I'm following God. I'm obeying God. I am leading my children and family in the ways of God, but I'm not very excited about it. <laughs> this this depression thing that my life completely changing. I'm even in a better place. I totally believe that. But there's still so much damage and so much hurt. And I told David, I said, we prayed and 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 we believed and we changed things and we did these different things. To, as as depression just took more and more and more of who I was and, and doing and keeping up the illusion that I was fine just started getting chipped away and chipped away and chipped away. I, I believe somehow that at that last moment, right before it got horrible, right before it all came crashing down, that, you know, like the evangelists say, that God would just come in and he would just bring it and he would just heal and he would transform and he would uplift and all these things. But when my moment came, God said no. And that's well within his rights, guys. I know. I know that. It's not preached very much, though, is it? We talk about the yeses and the maybes and the waits, but we never talk about the noes. Especially when it's something good, something that you would think God would be like, hey, it's a children's pastor who's kicking his butt trying to get kids into the kingdom. I should step in. You know, what? what how does that glorify the kingdom? Tearing, you know, allowing me to get torn apart. And there's a part of me, a big chunk, that knows it wasn't, it's not like he caused it. It was genetics. Simple genetics. My dad was bipolar, my mom was depressed. I I'm on a list. <laughs> if there was a list made of people that were gonna get it from child from you know, you could you could have said James and, and his kid his family, rather, his sisters are gonna deal with something close to one of these things. So it was in the works the whole time. But um, for some reason, I'm just sour. And I told my group the other week, because they were talking about, you know, seeking God, seeking God. And I told them, I'm hoping just this once 
you know, because I know we're supposed to seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things. I know all the scriptures, but I'm hoping that just this once God will come looking for me. So David asked me how I was doing. And you get to hear what I said. Um, when when I'll, I'll just say it because it's still easy. I mean, it's still it's easy now, but it wasn't. But I took my wife. I took her package. I, she had a package that she wanted delivered, and I took it to the post office right then. Man, I even had it in the car. I was so proud. And uh, and it was hard too because parking in the city, you know, is all parallel parking, so it's a pain in the butt by default. There was construction. At the corner, and this little post office was on the corner. I mean, it's eensy. I didn't even think it had a counter in it. You know, I thought it was just all post office boxes. But I go back there, and there's this lady taking pictures of the walls. I don't know what she was doing. There's a guy filling out a form complaining about how his hand hurts. Um, I don't know if he wanted the lady behind the counter to fill it out for him or not. But I got to go first in line. You know. And uh, and delivered the package, so it's done. And and you know, the, when you're depressed and you have stuff to do and you can't do it because you can't face people, can't go in, can't get out of the house, can't start the car, you know, can't get a shower, can't get dressed, whatever it is, all of the things that have to come together for a package to get delivered, it's it's a freaking miracle that stuff like that gets done. And I hope that never gets old. I mean, maybe you will hope. That I will move on to more exciting things in my life than delivering a package. But you just don't know. And and maybe you do. Maybe you do know. Maybe you do. That is a big deal. My ward. I've mentioned him a few times today. Uh, My ward lied to me. He lied to me. He lied to me. Uh, I brought him home with the kids. My kids would get down after snack on the homework. And the first thing I'm hearing is I got boxing practice at the, the rec center at a certain time. We got to, you know, get done with this so I can go. So immediately, of course, I'm wanting to, you know, be able to handle that. And so, you know, I'm like, okay, let's get going. And we did. We had a great time um, with the math and the English and we did spelling and vocabulary, and he tried to argue me on vocabulary about how it didn't matter. And his teacher had told me in that meeting earlier that it absolutely mattered, and it was one of the easiest ways to get another 100. And so, boom, I shot him down, and we practiced, and he was upset. <laughs> Just miffed, you know. But he kept talking about having to go. And, and, and then we read, and he really started talking about how he had to go. I had to get there. I had to get to this thing. And so we get in the car, and he even starts, I told you, he's silly, he's just, you know, whatever. He starts mocking me. What do you do, athletic? You ought to come to the boxing thing. And uh, he's asking my kids, what does your dad do that's one thing that's athletic? And Jay's like, he does a lot of stuff. He does podcasting, and he does this, and he takes care of us. And because and, Jay, Jay will defend me. And, um, and he's like, no, not any athletic. You know, so that whole thing. We get him home. And he looks out the window and he says, oh, my mom's not home. I can sneak out. And I was thinking he was just playing around. So I drop him off and go home and I start to text his mother. Because every day I give her, pretty much every day, I give her a an update on what happened. You know, how, how, how the t- tutoring went. Was it good, bad, attitudes, you know, things like that. 
And I happened to mention, you know, I got him home early. He was telling me about this boxing thing, pretty much using it the entire time to keep us going at a certain rate. Um, and she emails back. She says, oh, he is busted. He is in so much trouble. She says he knows. We talked about this. He's only doing that on two, Thursdays and Fridays. And I'm like, oh, okay. So he he lied to me. He lied to me the whole time. She's like, yeah, he lied, lied to all of us. She wants to get together on Saturday with him and, and kind of let him see that he, she and I communicate while we both talk to him about this. So that's going to happen. But why did I mention is one of my MMDs? It is my MMD of the day. It made my day because I would say that with that big, huge, whopping lie that we have finally cut through all of the crap. Because when you first hang out with somebody, right, it's real fun. You know, even when you're dating somebody, it's, they call it the honeymoon phase. When you even take a new job, or, or especially as a pastor, everybody just loves you and smiles at you, and it's all surface communication and happiness and joy. And then things start getting real. And though I was very upset at first about this, and I practice a speech that would curl your hair, um, and would have been awesome. Oh, I would have felt terrible afterwards, but it was good. Um, even though um, that it's a it's a big deal to me because we've gotten to a new phase. We've gotten into something deeper. It's an opportunity, whether he knew it or not. He opened up part of his life to me, and that is that he uh, does not want to do this. He does not want to work hard, and all these kinds of things, and and all of the. I, I used to give him the benefit of the doubt. I kept telling him, you have to care the most. I can't care more. Your mom can't care more. We care, but you have to care the most. Well, I'm, now I know he doesn't care. He does not care. And so now everything we do is going to be a punishment. Every single thing we do is going to feel like a punishment. You know, it is because he hates it so much. And I'm not going to, we're not going to joke around. We're going to do the work. But eventually... And I will tell him this, that if you learn, I used to say this to my children's ministry all the time, because if the whole crowd got rowdy, I would stop the whole show, everything we were doing, fast pace, you know, kind of service. And I would say, listen, every week, whether you know it or not, we make a deal. And it is this, that if you promise to learn something, I promise to make it fun. But the flip side of that is true, too moment I feel like you're not learning anything, I don't have to make it fun anymore. So you have to convince me you're learning by listening, paying attention, whatever the thing was that they weren't doing. And it made a, it made a you know, simple impact. Well, I'm going to tell them the same thing. You know, this, this homework stuff, it's going to be miserable until you want to do it. And then there are rewards. There are things to earn. There are, um, there's pride that you can take in it and there will be fun. There will be fun things. So yeah, I'm glad he lied to me because it's, it's a, it's a new place. I, I just really feel like, you know, 10 years from now when we go back that, um, it's going to be a big deal. And, and in the next day I really was ready. Like I said, I was ready with a, um, with a, with a speech 
But for some reason, when I picked him up, I started thinking about him. And he deals with, you know, the Asperger's. He's, he deals with a little bit of depression. His mother definitely does. Whoops. Um, and I remember the time when I told my mentor something horrible that I had done when I was younger. And I expected him to kick me out and tell me he didn't want me and all this kind of stuff. And not only did he not do that, he never said a word. Like not even acknowledging what I had said. Like, yeah, mm mm-hmm, oh. And in my case anyway, it was right maybe the first time that I had experienced the way God accepts us when we confess our sins. And though uh, homeboy hasn't confessed Jack squat to me, <laughs> he, um, he got to experience that. And I didn't tell him, I didn't tell him that day. We, we went yesterday was, was good. He was serious. He hated it all, but he wasn't jo- joking around the whole time. He definitely wasn't telling me he had to go to boxing practice. But one of these days I'll be able to refer back to that and um, and say, look, this is what you deserved, but you got grace. You got what you did not deserve. And um, I don't know, because he's not going to get it right now. He's 13, but later on he will. All right, so we're still working through Monday. Lots of good stuff on Monday, right? But um, oh, here here's um, here's the next thing. David, when we were at lunch, told me about American Idol and how it's ending. You know, this is the season finale, and they had Kelly Clarkson on. She's pregnant. She's the lady that won. You know, the very first one, and they had her back. And Kelly's always been known, I don't follow her big time, but I've always appreciated the songs that she does, like Because of You, that I don't stray too far from the sidewalk, you know, just the stuff that she does that's real emotional, it's not poppy, it's it's just deep. And she sung a song that absolutely destroyed me. And David told me it would, but I didn't know. I was like, yeah, it's going to be a little bit sad. It's called Piece by Piece. She sang it. It's on YouTube. Just look it up. She sang this thing. She couldn't even finish the last bit of it. She's crying. Keith Urban's crying. Jennifer Lopez looks like somebody beat her up, just her face. And um, it was insane. If if you are a person who has daddy issues, like abandonment issues, it's going to destroy you. <laughs> but in a good way. It's in a good way. And if you are... Uh, a father like me who has broken that cycle and are raising your kids and staying, it's going to kill you. <laughs> and if you're the wife of one of those guys, you need to listen to it um, so you can go hug him later and thank him for sticking around. So I, I remember back when I, before I was a parent myself, I used to tell people, I don't know how to be a good dad. I never saw it. Never saw how to do it. But I do know what not to do. I know not to leave. I know that I need to stay. 
stay with their mom. And that's all I started with. And um, I can't, you know, after knowing my kids and and nobody loves my kids like I do. Obviously, your your kids, you love them the most. That's why we all get annoyed when we have to hear about stories about other people's kids. I think. <laughs> But so nobody loves your kids more than you. But the more I, the more I know them, the more I scratch my head, and I say, why would anybody leave their kids? There have to be reasons. There have to be more than just simple selfishness. Maybe it's I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. But it happens so much. I can imagine breaking up. But why abandon? Your child, come see them once a week even. Holy God. Buy them some freaking shoes on Christmas. Something. I mean, we got nothing. Nothing. (sighs) So Kelly Clarkson's song is going to destroy you. Okay. So just get ready for that. When it does, email me. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) James at at NLCast.com. Okay. So after all that. Stuff that happened Monday. That the reason why I told you all of those things. I've taken the better part of fifty-three minutes to tell you this. After all those great things that I did, it was about eleven ten at night. I'd already taken my meds and stuff. It takes a little while to kick in, but suddenly I just got nauseous. I got so just dizzy almost, and I felt this attack kind of thing coming on. The sadness, the darkness. And so I'm like, okay, I'm luckily I'm tired. So I'm going to go upstairs. Because when you feel like this, the worst thing you can do is go upstairs and lay down sometimes. Because if you don't sleep, you think, you know. And depression says, hey, you know what? I got this DVD. It's called Everything You Did Wrong With Your Entire Life. You want to watch it? Let's watch it. But in this case, I was very tired. So I went upstairs and laid down. It was early for us and. Um, my wife came in and, um, and she sat down and she, I, I, I think she just started rubbing my back or my shoulders or something. And, um, she always asks, is this helping or hurting? Cause sometimes touches don't feel good. You know? Um, I said, it's fine. It's fine. And, um, I don't remember the end of it because, uh, I think she stayed with me. Pretty sure she stayed with me till I fell asleep. But um my energy I guess was just gone, you know. And uh I was feeling empty and hollow and, and I was feeling um useless hopeless, just the same old crap. And I'm almost glad that it happens once in a while because it is so easy to forget. If you're going through depression right now, eventually you will come out of it and and you will be absolutely floored at how easy it is because it's so screwed up. It is so dark. It is so horrible that a nor well normal a typical you know fully functioning brain can't fathom it because it just isn't logical enough 
because when you get when you stump your toe, it hurts. When you you know get a cold, your your throat hurts. When you somebody dies, you feel sad. Um, that's logical. That's the way the body and mind work. But when you're depressed, it's just chaos and emptiness and darkness and pain and feels like an alien in your chest trying to burst out. Uh, and none of that makes sense. And all the things you believe so much when you're in the middle of depression, you, you think about what you thought when you, you know, afterwards and you're like, that, that just makes no sense at all. It makes no sense. I used to obsess completely so much about passing this on to my kids. And that still is apparently a, uh, a worry. But when I was in my darkest place, oh, God, you just don't know. Nothing made me want to go away from this world more than the, the, the idea of me giving anything like this to my kids genetically, you know, because it's definitely not going to be, you know, the, the, it'll be nature, not nurture. You know what I mean? But now I, I, I address that and I see that and I know it's going to be a possibility, but now I see another truth. <laughs> Sorry. That truth is that they will have me. And I can tell them Maybe even identify it before they do. And I can explain to them so they don't feel, I mean, they they may feel like crap, but at least they won't feel lost. And that's what depression doesn't let you think of at all. My brokenness can help somebody else's brokenness. Maybe my own kids. I hope, I hope that they don't deal with anything. Maybe the way we're raising them and the support we're giving them will somehow bypass any kind of genetic predisposition. You know, their their mother doesn't deal with it. It's just me. So it's definitely second generation, not not like you know or third rather not not like what i got from both sides but like i said even so if they do they will be better off with a parent that went through it than you know being in the situation i was where i was more or less alone so thanks jen for hanging out with me and I'm I'm so glad you helped me go to sleep. It's a big deal. I'm going to stop there because I talked forever. I still have Tuesday and Wednesday. You can hear that next time because today is still going on. It's Wednesday. <laughs> Had some great stuff already happen, but who knows? Who knows? If you haven't noticed, the, the format of the show has changed a tiny bit, and that is I, I do tell a few more stories about the day that the MMD happened in so that you will maybe understand because it's so easy for me to turn this show into a Facebook profile where, and I, and I mean that when you, when you look at somebody's Facebook, what do you see? There's always those people that 
you know, put how horrible their life is. But most folks take the highlights, the photos, the cool things that happen with their kids, and they put them up. And you can get the impression very quickly that everybody's life is awesome. I know I have a family member that repeatedly gets on Facebook, pulls her profile, gets on Facebook, pulls her profile. And I know why. It's because everybody's life looks so awesome and can't handle it. And I don't want this show to be that way because there's been a couple emails I've gotten where it's like, oh, I'm so happy for you, but I'm still struggling with this, this, and this. And I, and I have to email them back. You don't understand. I'm still struggling with this, this, and this too. It's not over for me. One guy's like, I'm so jealous that it only took you a year to come back from it. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> if you count the first day that I started feeling the sense of doom all the way to today, I think it's like six years. But um, the way I think I was doing the show there for a bit did not um, reflect that. So now you get to hear some of the cruddy stuff, not because we're celebrating it, but because it makes the achievements and the MMD moments that much sweeter. So there you go. There's your show. I hope you enjoyed it. Please uh, do me a favor. If you ever have a chance, uh, send me an email. Send me your MMDs, and I'll read them on the show. Emily sent this in. She says, I got to ride my bike yesterday. This is a full-grown woman, by the way. (laughs) I had to quit cycling when I became too pregnant. And I I realize that. That is a, a, a thing You're when you're too pregnant, when you're just like, ugh. I've never been pregnant. But I've seen it at least twice on a, on a very small lady, my wife. Uh, she says, but I, I couldn't do it. But yesterday, the weather was perfect. My husband happened to be home from work early. So he was able to watch the baby while I went for a ride. I only went four miles. I only went that far because I got lost. <laughs> and my body hated me, but I felt great after my first ride in almost a year. Thanks, Emily, for that. Hey, um, also, I just want to thank Beth uh, for supporting the show this week. She jumped on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash MMDcast, and she decided to pledge a dollar per show. And that comes to about four bucks a month. Pretty easy, right? It's cheaper than a cup of coffee, as they used to say on those old commercials. Um, if you would like to do such a thing, feel free. Uh, the website, mmdcast.com. Send in your comments, thoughts, whatever, mmdcast at gmail.com or call them in 2095-NL-CAST. Uh, review the show on iTunes or wherever you found us. Follow the show on Twitter, twitter.com slash mmdcast. And uh, follow me personally, if you want to, at uh, slash NLCast there on Twitter. And here's hoping that every day you'll find something that makes your day. <laughs>